Hi, I'm Karen Elliott, and you're listening to the District B-Sides Podcast, where you'll hear in-depth conversations with council, staff, and community members to take you behind the decisions that are being made on topics that matter to Squamish. Now let's tune in and join the conversation. Welcome to the District B-Sides Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gunn, and you're listening to part two of a series that explores the relationship between density and livability and how an increased housing supply can create affordability, equity, and connectivity in our community. Today, we'll be diving deep into the world of transit planning and its important role in connectivity as we work to create a community for the future. With me is Bronson Boulevant, a transit planner working for BC Transit. Thanks for joining us, Bronson. Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about what you do for BC Transit? Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show today. Um, at BC Transit, I am a senior transit planner. I work in systems across BC to support them in uh, planning objectives for the communities. The systems that I work in include Squamish, Whistler, and Pemberton in the Sea to Sky region. I work in Kelowna as well as Revelstoke. For each of the systems, we do both operational and strategic planning. What that means is, uh, operationally speaking, we do the day-to-day planning, which requires either detours or transit routes, service changes that occur throughout the season, so in winter, in spring, and summer, based on what's occurring in the system, which could include starting of university, um, ending of school, ending of elementary schools. And then we also work on strategic planning. Strategic planning usually includes longer-term visions for how the transit system will grow over time. Um, Right now in Squamish, we're working on a Transit Future Action Plan, and in other systems, I'm working on a bunch of other different kinds of long-term strategic plans. Those are the two main main processes that I work uh, as a senior transit planner in BC Transit. I think the complexity behind transit planning is something that most people really haven't spent a lot of time thinking about. Can you tell us a bit more about the relationship between neighborhood planning and transit planning? Um, there is a very strong relationship between uh, transit planning and neighborhood planning. Transit supportive land use uh, is critical to the success of a transit system. And uh, conversely, transit planning can help to attract uh, and support high density mixed use development. Therefore, neighborhood planning and transportation planning must be integrated to best serve people. Realistically, when you're looking at a transit system and you're planning a transit system, you wouldn't just look at the road network to plan where a bus route goes. Typically, when new routes are developed or alternatively you want to change the route, you would look at how the neighborhoods are structured, look for the trip generators of a neighborhood. So that could be a school, that could be a a central business district like downtown Squamish, for example, or alternatively a community center. So that is how neighborhood planning and transit planning really work together in a symbiotic relationship. So it sounds like the intention is to plan transit systems around how people live their lives and how they move around their community. Would it be accurate then to say that you're designing routes to match residents' activities rather than the other way around? Totally true. Um, When we're working through a transit plan and we're going through the process of Uh, looking in the future for how a specific route, specific transit route may work. Um, We definitely try to tie in to the areas of the community where the people are going to be. Um, This is really why neighborhood planning and and transit planning are so so imperative uh, to be working together because we can put a transit route essentially anywhere on on a road that accommodates a bus. But if uh, if that neighborhood isn't planned with transit in mind, you have uh, transit routes that are less effective, they take longer, 
they're not direct um, and suddenly the transit becomes an option that isn't necessarily convenient but if both land use land use planning or neighborhood planning um, works with transit planning we can make a direct convenient transit route along the corridor of where people want to go be it uh, mixed-use developments uh, commercial districts uh, schools etc one of the things we talked about in preparing for this conversation is key performance indicators or kpis now this is digging into the weeds and is probably something the public doesn't think about but as public administrators this is the kind of thing we focus on you had mentioned that higher ridership rates is one of your key performance indicators but customer satisfaction is another really important indicator that you look at can you talk to us a little bit more about that what customer satisfaction looks like yeah i guess let me rewind a little bit and uh kind of get to why we why i have a job and, and why transit planning exists um, at BC Transit, we have, as you said, a bunch of key performance indicators or KPIs, uh, I'll refer to it as, that include not only ridership, but we have customer satisfaction, rides per service hour, operating cost, operating cost per service hour, so the list goes on and on. Um, but the two ones that really drive how, I guess the one that really drives how a system works, historically speaking, is ridership. Everything we do is to improve ridership, at least it has been for the past 15, 20 years. Um, something that's kind of coming out, uh, especially due to the pandemic, is looking at customer satisfaction as a metric that we should be measuring to ensure that uh, transit system is successful. Um, both ridership and customer satisfaction go hand in hand when looking at a transit system. Um, we look to create streamlined, convenient bus routes to ensure that people get on the bus and more people use it. Um, and all of a sudden we have increased ridership, but at the same time to do that and to do that well is it has to be a enjoyable experience. So to improve customer satisfaction by ensuring that these routes are direct, um, as soon as the route is direct, that means that the on-time performance, another KPI uh, is at a higher rate. So on-time performance really briefly looks to uh, ensure that our buses are coming to the bus stops at the appropriate times. Um, a good on-time performance would be about 90%. And then kind of poor would be around 50%. So we look to, to keep it up around the, the 80 to 90%. And if that's high, then all of a sudden people are happy with the fact that their bus is showing up on time. And it kind of all even it all comes back to this customer satisfaction because if we see more people on the bus, it becomes less of a, a barrier of, well, we don't want to hop on a loser cruiser because everyone else is using it. So all of these things kind of filter into why customer satisfaction is such a such a crucial point of uh, ensuring that the transit system is successful. Okay, thanks. Can you tell us more about why we'd want to densify from a transit perspective? Sure. Um, as I mentioned, ridership is the key KPI and it always has been um, amongst transit agencies. You look anywhere across North America, the main number that they'll be spewing out is how many rides they have and how many rides per service hour they have. Um, so to ensure that you keep high ridership, you would like around a transit route to have a lot of people, a lot of potential transit customers that are within a reasonable uh, distance to the, uh, the transit route or bus stop. So essentially when you're looking to densify an area with mixed use commercial lots, mixed use multi-residential, um, all of a sudden if you're densifying it along a transit corridor, that's increasing the density of people that could be using the bus and ultimately increasing the ridership uh, and maximizing the ridership potential that you would get along that transit corridor. So looking to ensure that density exists along the route means that we wouldn't have to deviate from uh, 
open corridor uh, as often to ensure that people are within a walking distance from from the transit route. And when I say within a walk within walking distance, uh, best practices state that um, typically the most most effective range that you can get off of one specific point is 400 meters uh, as the crow flies or essentially a, a straight point on on a map from A to B. Um, if it's within that, uh, we assume that it is convenient enough for a person to be able to walk to the bus. But if it is outside of that, um, it becomes more difficult and less likely that that person would use the bus. So that is kind of the metric we use when we look to uh, look to incorporate densification along a transit route. So why is that something that's good for people? Why is it in the public's interest to have that density and transit support? When you look to increase density along a transit corridor, you are making it not only so that uh, we as a, as a corporation BC Transit looks to increase ridership, but all of a sudden you're improving the safety and convenience of that transit route for the user uh, because that, that bus is now going to a place where you can get off and get on the bus uh, without having to walk, walk along ways or without having to drive to a bus stop or with, without having to use your car at all. Um, as soon as you start densifying these areas as well, uh, neighborhood planners will look to include what is called transit-oriented development uh, or TOD. Uh, TOD is, promotes a symbiotic relationship between dense, compact, urban form and public transportation use. So when planners start to incorporate transit-oriented development, uh, it really opens up the spaces. So even though they're dense, they're also very well connected and allows pedestrians to walk around comfortably with wide paths and well-lit areas. Um, so all of a sudden this, this relationship between this land use planning that we keep talking, this neighborhood planning that we keep talking about uh, and transit planning all of a sudden becomes very, very attractive uh, to the public's eye. So essentially it means that people that are looking to use transit will have a comfortable experience and a convenient experience, which is one of the most important parts uh, that kind of ties back into customer satisfaction. Okay, maybe stepping back a bit at a broader level, why do you think people should use transit? That is a great question. And I think I'm asked this at every single uh, public engagement that I go out to, or now that I do uh, via online Zoom calls. Um, the, people should use transit because it ultimately reduces the impact of single use vehicles, uh, increases their, or decreases, let me say, decreases their carbon footprint. Um, it enables a, uh, a greener community and really looks to hit those goals of um, what, what we're all aiming for across Canada by 2050 and 2040. And Squamish itself is looking to become a net zero community by 2040, I believe. So all of these, all of these different goals that we're all reaching for by hopping on the bus, it really supports those. Um, personally, when I use the bus, it is a enjoyable experience because it removes the need for me to get, hop in my own car and drive and I can kind of tune out, listen to a podcast, uh, read a book, watch a TV show if I'm feeling so inclined. And um, it really enables everyone to be able to slow down and enjoy their lives more while still having that convenient uh, and comfortable uh, transit experience. Yeah. A little while ago, there was a good BC Transit ad campaign promoting texting on the road. Uh, I think the tagline was, let us do the driving. And I think it did a good job of playing into people's desire to multitask and stay connected while commuting and highlight that there's that benefit with transit systems. Um, Another topic related to land use planning that's, you know, we have touched on, but we should talk about a bit more is density. Are there any specific target densities that make transit more viable and effective? 
There definitely is. Um, and I think what you mean when you say target densities and how we interpret it at BC Transit is essentially people per square kilometer. And what that means more specifically is both, um, both residents within an area as well as employment. So when we look to create uh, maps and other data, data specific items to evaluate how uh, a system looks from a density perspective, we look to add, add on top of each other both residential counts as well as employment counts. So when we're looking to find target densities for kind of where we want to focus transit, um, typically we would like to see about or just over as a target about 3,500 people for this kind of frequent transit and a minimum level of density is about a thousand for our lower levels of transit service. And just to kind of clarify what that means and why there's a range, um, with transit planning, within transit planning, there are different levels of service that are provided um, to ensure that we provide the appropriate level of service for the community that we're in. Um, we have, there's a range of them for larger communities. Um, and within Squamish itself, there's kind of two levels of service or three levels of service, I guess, that you could look at um, when we're defining transit service levels. The, the most important one and, and kind of why we're having this conversation today uh, is a frequent transit network or an FTN. And a frequent, frequent transit is intended to connect key hubs in a community, usually in, straight, in a straight direction without deviating too much uh, from the main corridors to ensure convenience. Um, and then there's also local transit network, uh, which is that uh, thousand people per square kilometer, which intends to provide coverage, but it is at the cost of trip time and therefore is typically found in less densified areas. Um, one of the goals of BC Transit is to ensure that the majority of a community is provided with service regardless of the density. Um, and therefore local transit is also typically associated with lower ridership. But to kind of come back, oh, actually then the last level of service is targeted, um, targeted services, uh, which incorporates uh, the handy dart buses, which typically cater to people that can't use fixed route service, which is included within LTN and FTN service. Um, but that 3,500 uh, people per square kilometer is kind of the target and what we're aiming to connect the connect community connect communities with uh, with the FTN service. So we look at, for example, in Squamish, we look at where these uh, target entities are and look to um, provide a direct connection between them. Um, that's then that's kind of the goal of uh, that that target density. So what about low density neighborhoods? Is it cost-effective and sustainable to continue serving low-density neighborhoods with transit? So, yeah, as I, as I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, um, we are mandated as a province to provide service to all communities as much as we can with a level of service. And that's the purpose of this local transit network. Um, ultimately, the, the purpose of the LTN is not only just to provide service to them, but it, they act as almost, if you can think of it as a, if you look at the transit system as a web, um, these local transit network routes will act as a as feeder routes to the FTN. So the FTN is only so successful or is only as successful as the LTN network that supports it. Um, when what I mean by that is people on the LTN, the idea is that they will and they will be fed into the FTN and then they can make a transfer at the FTN and use this really fast uh, high level of service corridor to ensure that they get to where they want to go. Um, so even though it isn't necessarily going to garner as much ridership, it is a crucial part of the transit system to ensuring that the ridership overall in the transit system is, is high and the customer, customer satisfaction is also high. 
So when you're route planning, do you stage the LTN routes in terms of downtime on the FTNs? Or how do you make best use of the staff and equipment time when you're planning those concurrent networks? Yeah, um, so I guess a way to define what you're saying is what we call it in the industry is interlining. Um, so a bus being interlined is essentially when one route is running on a headway of 30 minutes, let's say, a headway is essentially at what frequency of trips do that to that specific route make. So every 30 minutes, the bus would go. Um, if, a, if a transit trip is making is at a 30 minute headway, but the trip itself only takes about 15 minutes, there's 15 minutes of time where the bus is just going to be sta- stopping at a specific location, either a transit exchange or a bus stop. So if you're thinking about how an FTN would work, so in the context of Squamish, in a perfect world, let's just use it as an example, there is a FTN service between downtown Squamish and Garibaldi Village. And let's say, uh, for all intents and purposes, that the bus trip takes 15 minutes from one to the other. And then when it gets to downtown from Garibaldi Village, it has about 15 minutes to just sit around and do nothing. But to make it more efficient, we can then operate that LTN service out to, let's say, Valley Cliff to do a loop there and come back and bring people back to the FTN service where that route then can run again at that 30 minute uh, interval. Realistically, the FTN service does run at a 15 minute interval, but to do that successfully, there has to be more than one bus on the route. So when multiple buses are running, some of them will ultimately have to lay over or take a break at that specific exchange. And those are the opportunities where we can really make local transit service or LTN service sing, um, for lack of a better phrase, um, to ensure that uh, the services and the cost efficiency is uh, best utilized. All right. That's all my questions. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share in terms of the relationship between transit and land use? I don't think I have too much more to say about the relationship between neighborhood planning, land use planning, and transit planning. Um, I guess a a good segue here is that we are embarking on a new strategic plan for Squamish. Um, And within this plan, we're actually looking specifically at their strategic direction for how to develop a frequent transit network within Squamish. Um, so we would love to get the public feedback on that as the engagement begins. And that plan should be wrapping up um, late 2021 in either August or September 2021. Fantastic. We'll look forward to that. Bronson, thanks for joining us today. You've given us a lot to think about. Uh, you've given us some insight into how we plan our community as we move forward. And we appreciate it. Thanks again for your time. Take care. And to those listening, we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Tune in next time when I'll speak to Mayor Karen Elliott about land use planning and density. Thanks for joining us.